Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Office Hours. It is Super Bowl week, and we're here in Las Vegas. At least two of us are, Michael Unbroken and I, and the incredible Mike Diamond. Where the heck are you in the world today, Mikey D? I'm in L.A. I'm in L.A. In Los Angeles. It's early there. Let's not wake up his family. Uh, We are blessed to have special friends today, and uh, our first guest, Genevieve Hawkins, is here. She is experiencing tomorrow as we are experiencing today and has written a book. Uh, I was just at uh, Dropbox yesterday, and this was extremely pertinent, which was the, men- the mentality at work and how to optimize uh, our health, of course, through uh, the business connections and connections in general. Genevieve, welcome to Office Hours. Thanks, David. Thank you for being here. And uh, there has been an accelerated change. There's always change and there's always uncertainty. Um, but uh, I believe that the mentality of work, uh, in, is it mentality or mentally at work? Mentally, mentally at work. Mentally at work. Mentally yes. at work. So I guess the eyes of mine are not the best working things uh, in my body. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought it was. Uh, this is now a depressing moment. Let's all just take a second to regroup. Uh, sorry, <laughs> mentally at work. I, I want to start with the word work. If we're going to think about are we mentally at work all the time and how it's interfering with our relationships, our connections, et cetera, um, doesn't it really depend uh, upon our perception or the meaning that we give to work? Because uh, so many of us uh, give it different meaning. I give it activity that I get paid for and therefore everything in my life is an activity and I get more power back or control. How do you see we optimize our health relationships, connections with giving meaning to this idea of mental I'm at work? It's an interesting question, isn't it, about that sense of purpose that you're saying, that, that what you have. And I think also actually from my – so my background as an occupational therapist originally, and so for me the concept of occupation isn't necessarily paid work. Occupation is is what it is that we do. Um, but really in the context of this one with Mentally at Work, it is recognising that unless we're, we're born with lots and lots of money – um, we all need to work in some way, shape or form to pay the bills. And so actually for me there's some such an importance that if we can find a sense of connection at work and we find some meaning in what we do and find a sense of connection to the others that we are with, life's so much easier. Um, and so really that's kind of part of what uh, writing the book is about, helping leaders to work out a you want people. You want people to come to work and enjoy it, and be part of it, and contribute. And actually, there's some stuff that you can do as leaders that make a huge difference to people wanting to be with you and wanting to do the work that you want them to do. Genevieve, coming from such a big family, and you said mm. ment- mentally surviving that. How did that teach you the resilience to then go into a workplace? Because when you've got like nine siblings, eight siblings, that, that's really intense. To, to just stay focused and then how did you take that because obviously you learned to some really great skills to then go into work and not be like oh my god because you've got to be present and focused so can you talk about that do you know Mike, it was interesting recently I was asked to present to the board of the organization that I was working with and and they were just asking me about tell us a bit about yourself 
And so I'd spent some time reflecting on that beforehand to go, oh, gosh, what will I, what will I, what will I talk about? And I stopped to actually think about that far more, about what has it meant for me being one of nine and, and probably didn't really fully appreciate how much would impact being the eighth, I should say, also of the ninth has made on me. And so I reflect back on, um, well, when you're the eighth, you're kind of lost in the crowd a little bit. <laughs> And you have to try and work out how the world works a lot yourself. So I was really conscious. I think I was born curious. My sense is I probably was born curious anyway, but I became far more curious in that sense of survival of going, I've got to work out how the world works and therefore um, constantly trying to watch what other people were doing and going, how do I fit in here? Um, But I'd also say what was good about being part of Nine was that you learnt the importance of community and the sense of teamwork. Because actually, if you're not all working together, it's rather chaotic. So, <laughs> so you kind of learn to go. How do you how do you connect in with each other? How do you be part of the team? And and how do you put the greater good in front of you? So I think I kind of learnt that a lot of that sense of um, I'm part of a team. I belong. I've got a role to play in it um, to make sure that it all kind of connects in, but also constantly you know, constantly learning and constantly watching. And I think that that's what's put me in great stead as I've gone on to lots of different roles in lots of different organisations is that same sense of um, I, I think I'm, I said the curiosity is actually what drives me and keeps me going because I'm just so going, okay, new space, new environment, right, how does this, how does this work? How does this system held together and who's who and how do we connect? And, and uh, so I think it's just naturally imprinted into me that ability to go, how do I now help to sense the system that I'm in and help people within that system stay connected and get great outcomes? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think also, you know, that level of community carries over into your business life probably more than most things. You see a lot of people who are single children have a really hard time growing up the corporate ladder. Um, I'm, I'm curious, though, we live in a super isolated time, right? We're talking about community. We're talking about um, being mentally at work. When when we're in this time, like, how are people best set to prepare themselves to be able to connect mentally to the work instead of just the to-do list, instead of just the getting things done? How do we, how do we get them more engaged? You know, I think the statistics around quiet quitting are pretty astounding right now. And I think that's because people just don't care. So what do they need to do? Oh gosh, that's a big, that's a big thing, isn't it? About how, what do people need to do? I think that there's two components to it because there's actually when you talk about that sense of isolation that people have, there's a lot of fear in the world. There's a lot of uncertainty about where are we heading, what's going on, and if I'm just trying to survive day to day, it's like oh, I'm just putting one foot in front of the other and I'm not really connected in. So for me, and, and this is part of what I explore in the book, is saying how do you bring a common language into talking about our own health as a starting point? So even though, yes, we might be in the job, you know, creating widgets, whatever it might be that the job is that, that this organisation is doing. But actually the starting point for getting people connected with work is actually getting them connected with themselves. So even though, you know, we're not expecting leaders to be psychologists, but we want, there's a, there's a really great things that leaders can do to go, hey, let's introduce a common language. Let's understand a little bit about what makes us tick as individuals and how do we actually look after our own health. So that's kind of the starting point for it. And then that second point is just really helping people 
to connect into actually I now, A, I like you, so I like working with you. I've felt that sense of connection of things I have in common with you. And then how do I then actually find meaning in the work that, that we're doing here? And sometimes that work, if you're in, a, if you're in the not-for-profit sector, if you're in some areas, it's much easier to be able to go, look at the work we do, isn't this great? If you're creating widgets for some abstract machine, it's probably harder to get a sense of purpose of why am I caring about work? But actually I can care about the people that I work with and I can care about if I have to work, this is at least a better place to work because I like the people that I work with. Um, so for me, you know, this common language, uh, one of the practical things actually I always get people to do when I start with new teams is going, right, I want to find out what I have in common with you that has nothing to do with work. And it's a very simple exercise but a really the, based in science about how we get that sense of the oxytocin flowing through our brains because we feel connected. So if I'm, so I'm a mad Star Wars and Marvel fan, if I find that someone else is another Star Wars and Marvel fan, you're like, hey, let's have a chat about the latest Thor movie or whatever it might be. There's a bit of that, that sense of connection. So for me, that's where it starts is helping people to feel connected to themselves and feel connected to each other. And it goes from there. And beyond the basic aspect of providing value with one another, of giving people, and like you said, connecting on what we like or taking away what we don't like, which creates instant connections. Uh, Genevieve, there is also in the sense of purpose, this idea of for the sake of what? And I always have found that the lack of engagement that exists in almost every entity, it's the biggest challenge that we have because it's directly related to productivity, how engaged somebody is, is equal to that purpose, which is tied to understanding either as an individual or as a group for the sake of what? And we're not asking that question uh, enough in our families or even in the workplace. How can we get people to focus and communicate for the sake of what, just the task list. Because anything that can be put on a task list and can be explained for the sake of what or efficiency, I now just outsource people that need to work to live, aren't working for luxury. Uh, because if it's a list item, you're better off paying someone that's getting paid to live because now they know the, the sake of what, because they're not going to eat unless they do this task. But usually in America, it's for the sake uh, for the working for luxury that we are challenged with. How can we instill and infuse for the sake of what in the workplace? It goes, I think it comes back to as the, like the role that you have as a leader to go, what, like, what's your, for sake of it, like what is it that gets you up in the morning? Why is it that you're creating the story of what you want to achieve there? And I think that that to me starts to unlock for that in other people as well. So if you have a sense of real purpose and drive that it isn't about money, it isn't about just the bottom line, it isn't about productivity, but there's a real sense of genuinely who you are and what it is that's really important to you. And then you actually go, how do I actually work with that next group of leaders that report to me to go, hey, let's talk about this and let's talk about this bigger picture of what we're trying to achieve and connect into that. But again, I still come back to 
there's a bigger picture of connecting in, but there's also the connecting into people as individuals because there's such a sense of I'm more willing to listen to you and what it is that you're trying to achieve because I actually feel like I trust you. I feel that you're being you and showing up. So for me, that starting point is the leader showing up themselves and going, this is who I am and this is what I stand for and this is what's really important from a values point of view. Will you come on this journey with me? Um, and then, you know, constantly then thinking as a leader every time you're communicating to people is going, why am I asking people to do this? Um, you know, and, and challenging yourself in that, saying, well, what's the importance of this or what's the connection between this particular job that just looks like a job and this bigger picture of what we're trying to achieve? So for me, there's a real role that leaders have in storytelling within the workplace to try and get people connected into that sense of purpose. Yeah, and your thoughts about our purpose are our purpose. Uh, Genevieve Hawkins giving us clean balance and focus in on giving purpose, passion, and profitability to our work by mentally being at work and making the essential connections to be more productive, more accessible, and more gracious with our time while we're spending in an activity that we get paid for. It's must read from down under a friend of Mike Diamond, I'm sure. Genevieve Hawkins promised us that you'll come back. Thank you so much. We'd love to come back again. Second book's coming soon, so we'd love to chat again. Girl, keep it up. Keep empowering us. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. It's interesting, guys, uh, as I bring back on uh, Chris, and uh, it's interesting because that idea for the sake of what, you can have an intermediary in work uh, that is, well, I had just had my first baby, so now... The meaning of work provides you the ability to take care of your child, which has greater importance. And so we can't always tie in uh, that mentally at work to specifically, you know, in our business, you know, not every one of my employees is bought into empowering over a billion people to be happy, right? I'd be lying to myself that they're all on the same mission I am at 26, that I'm at 56, when they don't even have enough to buy a house. Uh, I'm realistic about that, but I'm okay because I know when I graduated law school, and I know you two were in a similar situation, I would have shoveled shit with my hands 12 hours a day, six days a week, if it meant paying off my law loans and buying my mom a house. And I would have enjoyed it in gratitude. And I think, you know, maybe our uh, leaders today need to take a little bit more time to be more interested than interesting, especially with all the different capabilities that AI can give us, VAs, virtual assistants, outsourcing as well as our contractors and employees we have many more options to get the shit done uh, by the people that want to get it done for the sake of what and it doesn't have to be your for sake of what it can be their own that ties in because of the system that you create to for the sake of what um i am uh pleased to have uh chris allman here mikey unbroken why don't you introduce our next friend chris allman yeah, I, David, I just love what you just said. Chris, welcome to the show. I mean, that's that, that's yeah. gold right there. Uh, Chris, welcome. Um, he is here to promote and talk about four billionaires and a parking attendant, success strategies of the wealthy, powerful, and just plain wise. Welcome, my friend. How are you today? Well, I'm delighted to be here, and I'm, I'm happy today. It's a beautiful, sunny day, and thanks for this opportunity to, to visit with you and chat with your with your listeners. Yeah, we, we are appreciative. And I, I, 
have to ask you, have you read any of Walter Isaacson's books? It's Jobs, Einstein, Musk. Have, have you read any of those books? Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's yeah. Very, he's an amazing writer. Uh, actually, some of the people, he's, one of the people I feature in my my new book has interviewed Isaacson many times, uh, many times. Yeah, we we're having him on the show. I didn't want to ruin the surprise for these guys, but uh, oh wow, you know he does so much research. Uh, obviously, his vocabulary is like other, and the vivid ways that he, that he writes. What is your perception as you you know learn from Isaacson? You know, these common denominators or threads between these billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers at the highest capability and actualization. I think it all comes down to purpose. And, you know, the, I, I feature 15 people in my book and the four billionaires and a bunch of other like CEOs, chairman of this and that government agency, they all have purpose because, you know, when I meet young people and, you know, a 22 year old who I'm mentoring and I say, what are you excited about? And, you know, some of them are really pumped up and they know where they're going or at least have a good idea. Other people are kind of like, oh, I really don't know. And I say, listen, your life is 25% over. You better get going. So what I found <laughs> with, um, with the billionaire types, the people that Walter Isaacson features in his books, is that they have purpose. They are here today, but they're going here tomorrow and next year and 10, 20 years in advance, they're thinking. So they have somewhere that they're directing their time and their energy and their passion. So everyone in my book has purpose and has passion and then other things kind of like flow into the slipstream of that that kind of help them on that journey but you've got to have some idea of where you're going like four billionaires and a parking attendant <laughs> can you talk about that because that's such a great title but the parking attendant how, how does that come about for yeah you? well the um so the the book is about how to be your best so I've, I've been able to work with these incredible people in my 30-year career here in Washington, D.C., four of whom are billionaires and a bunch of other bigwigs. Uh, but the parking attendant uh, parked my car every day uh, at the Carlisle Group. So Carlisle is a global investment firm based in Washington. And I pull in the garage and this young man named Sala, who is an Ethiopian immigrant, would park my car. And Sala would say, uh, Chris, how are you? How was your weekend? Uh, have a blessed day. You know, he's really engaged. He was uh, loving life, making the best of it. And I said, this is amazing. This this guy doesn't make much money. He's got a, some, he doesn't speak English that well because he's learning English as an immigrant, but he's happy. He chooses to be happy. And then I'd get in the elevator and I'd go up 40 feet to the third floor of the building. And there's literally three billionaires in there and a whole bunch of other bigwigs. And as Dave Rubenstein, uh, the philanthrop philanthropist and investor, says he doesn't know many happy rich people. So I'd say this is fascinating. Why is Sala happy? It's because he chose to be happy. And that was an incredibly powerful lesson for me. And he earned his way into the book. You know, the bigwigs earned their way in, too, by teaching me how to be my best. But Sala taught me about happiness, about choosing to be happy. It's kind of like love. Love isn't a feeling. Love is a choice. You have to choose to love someone. You have to choose to be happy. Uh, so it, it's had a big impact on me. 
Chris, obviously you have an extensive background in communications. That's the word that kind of circulates around your, your tenures. And I'm so curious in that idea about choice, how much of that is about communication and clarity? Because I, to be honest with you, man, I, I don't know that most people think that they are capable of having love or success or, you know, whatever that thing may be. Like, does communication and clarity play a role in that? Well, communication, I think, is really important, both in terms of ex- being a leader. You know, if you are trying to get people to join you on a mission, your capacity to be a good communicator is really important because you have to be able to, you may have a vision, as, as, you know, if you're a visionary type person, but can you actually speak about it in a coherent way so that other people will join with you? So being a good communicator is super important. And whether you're a government official or a corporate leader, or if you're a mom or a dad in the household, you know, trying to get the, get the family all marching uh, in the same direction. So, and, and what, is, what does it mean to be a good communicator? It means to be clear in what you're saying, to actually have a good sense of what you're actually saying uh, when I advise my clients, you know, when they are confused about where they're going, I say that's because you haven't put enough thought into what what is the actual destination, what are the steps needed to get there, and then being able to distill those down so that you can share them with other people. And so you have a destination, you have incremental steps and the like. So that that type of skill set is really important. And just like purpose, it is omnipresent among the people in the book. They are all very good communicators because they're leaders and they have to get people into their slipstream behind them, marching with them, helping them achieve things. That's awesome. Chris, uh, as a clear communicator, I believe that everyone has a frequency and the more that we practice and know our essence, that frequency elevates the awareness. And I truly believe I can stand on a stage and front of let's say a hundred people and just say the word the for 20 minutes and then 10 people would come up to me and say that was amazing the way you illustrated patient and repetitive behavior and the (laughs) habit machine they would just because they're on a frequency uh i also have a dream uh it used to be here we're at the super bowl uh this week it used to be to make the pro football hall of fame like my business partner hall of quarterback or moon uh but i realized I'm a little late and I'm not talented enough to do that. So I've moved my focus into being in the hall of fame of sleep. Uh, I figure everybody in the world sleeps and it also has the greatest impact on those lives. And if I could be the best sleeper in the world, recovering and accessing information better than others, you'll be writing about me in your book next <laughs> because I'll be the greatest sleeper of all time. You actually are in a hall of fame that everyone in the world also does not as much as sleep, and it's an illustration of frequency, uh, albeit not to put you on the spot, but today is my aunt's birthday. And uh, I can't say her name, but let's just say she's over uh, 75 years old. Uh, and it would be an honor if you could at least, uh, for one, being in the Whistling Hall of Fame, Chris Ullman, if you could whistle uh, one bars or a few bars of happy birthday to my he's whistled for president bush and so many other people around the world 
am putting you too much in the imposition to whistle my Aunt Marilyn bird? Uh, well, I, I love whistling, and I never turn down an opportunity. So uh, happy birthday, Aunt Marilyn. So I'll, I'll whistle some here, but if you if you have your producer send me her phone number, I'll give her a live version also. Oh, right on. I will do that. Luca, you're on it, right? Yeah. So that's a very truncated version, but I. Uh, oh man, I hope I can sleep as well as you can whistle and Warren Moon can play awesome. quarterback. I will be living a life of luxury, passion, purpose, and profitability, and that's what you can learn from Chris and his book. Love it's it. a must-read, and he's a must-listen. I've never heard any whistle like that. It's no BS to be the whistling champion, national whistling champion, Whistlers Hall of Fame. Check out the book, Four Billionaires and a Parking Attendant. Great title, by the way. Success strategies of the wealthy, powerful, and just plain wise. Be happy, one. One of my one thousand, Chris Ullman, empowering others to empower others to be happy. Please come back. We got many other shows for you and your super talents. Thank you for writing the book. Thank you, empowering us and reminding us what to prioritize and how to be happy. We appreciate you. Thank you you for having me. Take care, y'all. That was awesome. There, that's, that's for awesome. you, Aunt Marilyn. How many people can say they had the national national whistling champion, the Hall of Fame of whistling? Say, unfortunately, when I make the Hall of Fame asleep, uh, it's not going to be as exciting to be like, Dave, can you just sleep on the interview and show us uh, superpower here? It won't be as exciting as the whistling or as talented, but it will have a greater impact for my life. <laughs> Speaking of impact on your lives, the double mics on the mic today on Office Hours. What is your takeaway? for the day with these extraordinary friends of ours in the books that they've written. Mike, Michael. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll roll with it. Um, well, they both mentioned communication, right? It's the biggest thing. It's the cornerstone of everything. It's how you get to clarity, how you get to the what, um, you know, it's really interesting. I was having a conversation with someone just yesterday and they were telling me that they wanted abundance in their life. And I was like, what in the world does that mean? You know, and we like really (laughs) drilled into this singular statement about what abundance actually meant for them. And and it's just a reminder how even within ourselves, you have to be careful of vagary because you will get lost in its trappings. Uh, And so I I love communication. I think it's the the cornerstone to everything. That's awesome. For me, so if I can't connect with myself in the morning and stay connected, and understand who I am when I go out into the world, I can't connect with others. So I clear myself out and make sure I'm connected to my source, what I call infinite intelligence. Then when I go out into the world, I'm open to everyone, I accept people, and then things flow. So it always starts with me. So start with me, connect, and then I can connect with others. And you guys are so on it. And that's why I love showing up here every Wednesday with you two. It gives me an opportunity to connect with two people that are empowering so many people that I admire, respect, and also love uh, connecting with myself and learning from and listening for. Uh, and for me, what really resonated was the idea that sparked me with, for the sake of what? Um, as we have are our, our mentally at work, that seems like we're mentally at dis-ease. 
why can't we be mentally at ease while we're in activity we get paid for? And the best way to clear the interference are fear shortages and scarcities that create that interference and slow down or interfere with the productivity, the accessibility and gratitude of our days, uh, which were guaranteed by the way, 24 hours every day, except for that last day of your life. So you'll just barely be cheated a few hours if you take that perspective. But go into your day for the sake of what? You'll be willing to shovel shit with your hands six days a week, 12 hours a day, when you know your for sake of what? And the activities that you do for the sake of what will always be enjoyable and purposeful and passionate. And you know what happens if you do it consistently every day and persistently without quit in that pursuit of your for sake of what? I'll tell you all in secrets. You'll learn the language. You'll provide the frequency. You'll elevate the awareness. And more than enough will come through you for others. The more you give into it, the more you'll be given. But do you have the awareness to see what you're given? And do you have as well the worthiness to receive all that you're given? Great takeaways for the day. I've been given two great friends. They're both named Michael. One looks very handsome and the other is very ugly. And you'll have to decide. You give meaning to everything you see. I love you both. Wow, have a wonderful guy. day. Wow. It's Office Hours with the beautiful, the bold, and the ugly here at Office Hours. I'll see you, Michael Rogan. Take care. Awesome job, guys. All right, everyone. We're in Las Vegas today, tomorrow, Friday and Saturday. Come and join us. We will be doing a meetup uh, right by Radio Row at Mandalay Bay. We'll give you the exact location. Go ahead. Email us. It's right there, David at dmelzer.com. Next week, we're at the NBA All-Star Game. We'll be in the Puma and Pacers uh, studio uh, doing interviews, some extraordinary people. And then we have a VIP dinner. Uh, come and join us uh, with the Darren Prince and Dom Wilkins and amazing Meta World Peace and many, many others will be there. Uh, come and join us downtown on Thursday night next week as well. We're all over the place, and it's hard to keep track of it. can't keep track of it. So I have my own text alerting system. The alert system will tell you where we are, when we are, free Friday trainings, all the books, guides, exercises, everybody we're in. We'll be in Vegas. We will be in Indianapolis. We're all over the place. We'll be at SoFi on Monday. I can't remember where we're at. Just email me, please. David at dmelcher.com. Most importantly, remember, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. Go Super Bowl. Take care.